as I introduce our speaker for today, I'd like to um, point out, remind us that when the Apostle Paul is writing to the Galatians, he says, did you guys receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because of the preaching of grace or by obeying the law? Rhetorical question, answer, preaching of grace. And including in the preaching of grace, he says, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was fully displayed to you. This is people that had never, that weren't there when Christ died on the cross. But Paul just described what happened. Bam! The Holy Spirit came in power because of the grace on the message. And Paul is reminding them, stay with that. One more. First Corinthians, I knew nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Brenda has internalized this story. She is displaying God's heart of love in the cross of Christ in the next few moments. It translates an impartation of grace that God finds so irresistible that he pours his spirit out on us as we receive it in faith. This is happening in the next, in the next 25, 30 minutes. Allow it because it's coming. It'll change our lives forever to get this anchor. God bless you, Brenda. Before I start, I just want to say to the worship team today, something just happened in the spirit in that worship today. It took, we, we busted up into another level. There was something really, really profound in that worship. We need to be glad. We need to pray over that. Keep it going. And we do pray over it. Lord, take us deeper. Send angels. So anyway, I wanted to say that. So I'm going to be talking about the last three chapters of Matthew, 26, 27, and 28. Hi, Susan. <laughs> um, these are the finishing chapters of this gospel where Jesus goes to the cross for us. They're pretty profound. So I'm just going to go through, but, through them, and I pray that the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened to see in a greater way the love of the Lord the height, the depth, the length, the width of his great love for each one of us. And also to know that each one of us sent him to that cross, but each one of us benefits all the inheritance from the cross. <clears throat> so I'm just going to go through the, the chapters. So uh, chapter 26, verse 1 through 5, the little uh, title is, the plot to kill Jesus. So it says that the Pharisees, you know, the elders, the scribes, the chief priests, they met together and they wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to have a plot to kill Jesus. We got to do it in a tricky way so that the crowd doesn't see it because they might riot, but we want him dead. That's what they wanted. Now, why did they hate him so much? Because he could do everything they couldn't do. They couldn't do it. And they were used to being the de facto, they were the leaders of Israel besides Rome. But I mean, of the people and, and the religion, they had the authority. And here's this guy who shows up, who feeds thousands miraculously. He, 
He prays for people and their deaf ears hear. He prays for people and their blind eyes see. He prays over lepers and they are cleansed from their leprosy. He turns water into wine. He walks on water. I don't know if they knew that, but he did it. He calmed the storm. He casts out demons with his words. Demons know who he is. The demons know who he is. Makes you wonder what's going on in the spirit realm. They knew right away, you are the son of God. What are you doing here? And he'd make them be quiet. He also claimed to be the son of God. They really couldn't stand him. They just couldn't stand him because he was upsetting their little apple cart, their little religious you know, power that they thought they had, which they kind of had. But now he came and did the real thing. He was doing the real thing everywhere he went, the real thing, the real God stuff, and they couldn't do it. And they wanted him God. And not only that, he called them out on their stuff, scathingly called them out on their hypocrisy because he hated it. He hated their religious hypocrisy, which didn't bring anyone into a closer relationship with a living God. It just laid a heavy burden on everyone, and he couldn't stand it. So they couldn't stand him. So they plot to kill him, which works perfectly with what Judas wants to do. All right, the next few verses, 6 through 13, the anointing at Bethany. This is Mary, Lazarus's sister. Mary knows who he is. Mary sees and gets it. In this, these last chapters, there's so many people that don't see who he is. They're just missing it. But Mary does. And she brings this pound of pure nard, spike nard, in this alabaster jar. Uh, it's, it's, it's made from the dried roots of the nard plant in India. And then it's exported, imported into Israel and other places. Very, very, very expensive. She brings a whole pound of this, breaks the jar, anoints his head and his feet. <clears throat> this fragrance of it fills the house. And I think mostly Judas got mad at her. In, in the um, book of Mark, it says she, they sharply criticized her. And like, why this waste? What, what? Why did she just pour out this nard on him, this spike nard? We could have sold it and fed the poor. And the book of John says he didn't, Judas didn't care about the poor. He didn't really care about the poor. He liked, he liked money. <clears throat> he kept the money bag and he'd steal from it. Anyway, Jesus says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. What she has done is a beautiful thing. Uh, she has anointed me for my burial. He knows it's coming. This is the last Passover he's going to be part of. He knows it's coming. And what, a, what an amazing thing. She has anointed me for my burial. It's really coming in the next few days. And so um, I just want to say, and then he says, everywhere this gospel is preached, this will be told about her, this wonderful thing, which I'm doing right now. Um, but she's an amazing example to every one of us of giving that extravagant, over-the-top gift, which mostly is our life, our heart. I give my heart to you, Lord. I give my whole heart to you. You might have relatives that like say to you, like, why are you wasting, wasting your life on God? Because they said to him, her, why this waste? She wasted it on Jesus, which of course she didn't. He was so worthy of all honor. So anyway, for all of us, that extravagance of, I want to give my whole self to you, Lord. She's an example of that. We love that. So verses 14 through 16, Judas agrees to betray Jesus. This is a foolish, wicked decision. He might be just still smarting because he's the one that got 
basically like, leave her alone. He was the one speaking up. He might have been like, mm. so but whatever he was, he went to the people, the priests and guys and said, what will you give me? I'll, be, I'll turn him over to you, to you. Just the worst terrible decision. And they said, well, 30 pieces of silver, 30 pieces of silver for the life of Jesus. So he took it. And he said, I'll find a way. I'll, we'll figure out a way. And I will, sh I will turn him over to you. I just want to say he is a lot like Cain or Esau. People like that. Cain rose up and killed his brother Abel. These are the first two sons. Killed his brother Abel because God saw Abel's sacrifice as better than his. He should have said, oh, I, I'm sorry, God. I'll try harder next time. There's always a next time we can work on it. But no, he killed his brother. He had a worldly mindset, an earthly mindset. Uh, Esau, Abraham, Isaac, Isaac's two sons, Jacob and Esau, twins. Esau was born first. Esau had the birthright. He sold it for a bowl of soup. His birthright, which is in the line of Abraham and Isaac, this holy line, he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And Jacob, who was second born, got the birthright. He got all the blessings of the firstborn. And it affected his whole uh, heritage, his posterity. So anyway, there's a worldly mindset on some people that are just not seeing above into the heavenly realm. And that was Judas. He, he had been with Jesus all that time and missed it. Okay, next verse is 17 through 25 in chapter 26. Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples. The disciples set it up in an upper room. They're eating the Passover, which is the roasted lamb, the, the uh, unleavened bread, and I don't know what else they eat. Bitter spices or bitter herbs or something, whatever it all is. And Jesus reveals to them, one of you will betray me. And they all are very sorrowful. Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And um, he says, it's the one whose hand is with me in this bowl, which is Judas. And Judas says, is it me? And he says, it is as you say. And in the other uh, gospels, one of them, whichever one says, what you must do, go do, do it quickly. And it says the devil entered into him because this is a wicked decision. And so the devil's coming and augmenting it with evil. But, um, uh, okay, verses. So anyway, he, t you know, he can go tell them he's going to be in this garden. It's nighttime. He's going to be praying. It's outside the city. The people won't see it. I'll, I'll give him a kiss. You'll know who he is. So he betrays Jesus with a kiss. And um, so they're like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Let's do it tonight. So that's, that's what happens. Um, verses... 26 through 30, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. This is the beginning. He is inaugurating the new covenant. They've never had this Lord's Supper like this, where he says, this broken bread is my body, my body broken for you. This blood, this lamb, this lamb that has been killed for this, I am that lamb, my blood is for the remission of sins. This is all new to them. Uh, he is giving us a new and living way that isn't the Old Testament way, and he's going to present his blood once and for all for us, whereas the Old Testament way was every year, animals, one-day atonement. He does it once for all. Cool. All righty. Uh, 
verses 26 through 28. Do, 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 do. Do we have that? There they are. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. They probably hardly knew what he was talking about. Hebrews 8.6 But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which has, was established on better promises. This is a living way. This is the new covenant. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33. Awesome. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is what's happening. This is a new covenant. It's of the heart. It's not of do, 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 don't, don't, do, do, do. It's not that. It's grace. It's faith. It's what Jesus did for us. So 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there is one God... And there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. So he's doing this for us. He's going to do this for us. Hebrews 8.13. And in that he says a new covenant, he has made the first covenant obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Excellent, excellent. We don't have to live legalistically. We live under grace. Cool thing. Now, the disciples didn't always get this. They didn't get it very easily. And we know that because, like Peter in the book of Acts, when he went to talk to Cornelius, God gave him a vision three times. Don't say something's unclean that I have said is clean. And he, when he got to Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile, and all these Gentiles were gathered, he said, now you know... It's unlawful for me to hang out with you guys. But since God gave me a vision, I'm going to come in and talk to you. And they all got marvelously saved, filled with the Spirit, because it was a new thing. It's a new covenant. And Peter later, one time, was up in Antioch with all of the disciples and the Gentile believers. And he would eat with them and hang out with them. And then Peter, some Jews came from James, came up to Antioch, a bunch of Jews, and he would separate himself with them, like the old thing, the old, you know, Gentiles, Jews. And, Pete, and Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he was wrong. Don't separate with the Jews like we used to do. This is a new covenant. We are one. So that's pretty cool. They're learning it. And it took Paul, their great oppressor, Paul, Saul, who was seeking to kill them, putting him in prison, ruthless, and then God miraculously saved him. He became their great advocate, brilliant, brilliant, 
And he said, I didn't get this from men. I went into Arabia, spent years in the Lord's presence and sought the Lord. I sought God. And he gave me these revelations of what the new covenant is. So in the New Testament, when we read those books by the Apostle Paul, he fleshed it out for us. He wrote it out for us. This is what the new covenant means. All of this inheritance in Christ, this is a new thing. It's not the law. So thank God for Paul who figured it out because they couldn't always know what to do. Like he had to write to the Galatians, you know, it's not about circumcision. Stop, stop doing these dumb things and stop going back to the law. It's grace, it's faith in Jesus, what he did. Amen, we know that, awesome. Chapter, <laughs> chapter 26, 31 through 35, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. He says during the Lord's Supper, you're all going to scatter. You're all going to stumble. Peter says, they might, but I won't. And he says, you know, tonight you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter, being Peter, says, oh, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all of the rest of them agree, we will never deny you. Arguing with Jesus. Let's see how that worked out, right? <laughs> uh, too funny. The, the apostles are usually pretty funny, the disciples. So then, chapter 26, 36 through 46, the prayer in the garden. What does verse 39 say? He says he was very sorrowful and deeply distressed. So three times he prays this. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He's asking, could this pass from me? Father God, could this pass from me? He's an agony of spirit. He's an agony of soul. This, it says he sweat like drops of blood. He's not afraid because fear is doubt. He is in the agony of understanding what sin did to the world, and now it's going to be laid on him. He has to bear it for us. So he prays three times. They don't wake up. All right, uh, ch uh, chapter 26, 47 through 56, the betrayal and arrest at Gethsemane. A great multitude comes with swords and clubs and lanterns and... Uh, torches we're gonna get you i mean it's jesus he's just there in the garden praying here they come too weird jesus comes up to him and says greetings rabbi with a kiss big big mistake to do that to the lord jesus and he says friend what are you doing here so he's he's trying to turn it back to judas like Examine your own heart, my friend. Anyway, verses 55 and 56 says, he's, Jesus says, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. So he's letting them know. You, you get to do this right now because you're fulfilling scripture. And then, of course, they all ran away because they're scared. There's this, this suddenly, the balance of power suddenly switched. At least it looks like it did. You know, they've been safe with Jesus all this time. He always had the right answer. These smart guys would come and try to trick him. He would 
outsmart them every time to where everyone got quiet, didn't want to ask anything because he made a fool of them every time. Uh, he healed everyone. He cast out demons. He fed people. He did everything well, and they were safe with him. He just was the guy. He was the guy with all the wisdom. And suddenly, oh, they've got him. They bound him and took him away. And it's, what just happened? So they, they ran away. Okay, 26, 57 through 68, Jesus faces the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, I looked it up, is 71 sages or wise, wise men, uh, no women, uh, plus the high priest. So it was scribes, elders, and chief priests, 71 of them. They've gathered because they know we're going to get him. We're getting him tonight. So they bring him to the high priest's house, and they bring forth these false witnesses that say ridiculous things. None of them are very powerful. They're silly things. But then two of them say, this guy said, I will knock down this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. So they thought that was like, yeah, wow, that's bad, which is so pretty silly. Um, Jesus kept silent. He just kept silent. I believe he transcended the whole thing. He knows what's coming. He's just transcending, probably trying to stay in the presence of God. Isaiah 53, 7. Now, this is 700 years before this. And you guys know the chapter, Isaiah 53, all that he did for us. It's a description of the crucifixion. But it says he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. You know, I looked up, what did, what did the Jews think of Isaiah 53? How do they handle it? Because when you read it, it's like, Jesus, 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 the crucifixion, the cross, Jesus. And they said in older days, they would say, yeah, this is the Messiah. This will be the Messiah. But in later days, they were uncomfortable with how close the life of Jesus looked to this Isaiah 53. And they would say, well, it's Israel. It's symbolic of Israel. And they try to make other ideas. Um, but you can see it's not Israel because it's a person. And so what I read is that they often in Jewish life, in the temple life, ignore it. Don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. Because it's obviously Jesus. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. All righty. So um, verses 62 through 64, the high priest is getting mad. Jesus won't answer. Then the high priest arose and said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. He's going to push this thing into some kind of climax here. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. He had to answer, so he answered. Now, the high priest freaks out. He tears his clothes. Blasphemy, blasphemy. You heard it. You heard that. What do you guys all think? So he wants to get them in on it. And they all start yelling, he deserves death. He's deserving of death. And at this point, this scene, you know, most court scenes, if you see court scenes, people try to act decent. They try to have the moral high ground. They try to act, we're the court and we're going to see what's going on. 
they all semblance of morality goes out the door and they start spitting at him they they beat him they slap him they mock him saying prophesy to us Christ who is the one who struck you there's a lot of hatred in this room and, he, and Jesus just has to quietly endure it for us all right chapter 26 69 through 75 this is the last part Peter denies Jesus and weeps bitterly you know he followed them he was in the temple he was in the court the high priest court he he's hearing this they can tell that hey you you were with Jesus no I wasn't well your accent you're Galilean so three times he denies him the rooster crows and one of the Gospels I Luke says the Lord turned and looked at him which had to be just like oh my goodness just what he said I did it oh and he goes out and he weeps bitterly and we can wonder would I have done that would that be me I thought I'd be real cool and full of faith but would I be scared anyway all right Jesus still loves him so much okay chapter 27 1 through 2 Jesus is handed over to Pontius Pilate they've got to have the Romans say he can die he can be crucified they can't do it the Jews can't do it so they have to make a case and convince Pilate this guy needs to die all right then the next three uh, verses chapter uh, 27 3 through 10 Judas hangs himself and in Jeremiah and Zechariah uh, the Old Testament it talks about the 30 pieces of silver and they bought the potter's field it's the same thing he, he goes and tells them I condemned an innocent man he has remorse and they say what's that to us you see to it they're just pretty heartless so he throws the money on the temple floor and he, he goes out and he hangs himself very tragic and they take that money and buy a potter's field and they call it the field of blood campo de sangre right in espanol campo de sangre anyway it's called the field of field of blood because it was bought with blood money but it's the potter's field with the 30 pieces of silver right from the Old Testament okay moving on 27 11 through 14 Jesus faces Pilate Pilate doesn't have a problem with Jesus he's not jealous he's not angry he's fascinated by him because he won't answer he won't say anything so he says are you the king of the Jews and Jesus said it is as you say he answers that he says do you not hear how many things they testify against you but he didn't answer so these guys are just like they're all coming around trying to convince Pilate what a bad guy Jesus is and Pilate doesn't believe it he said I don't see anything wrong with him I don't see anything worthy of death his wife sends him a note have nothing to do with this righteous man this just man I had suffered many things in a dream today which is very interesting that that happened to Pontius Pilate's wife in the spirit realm that's interesting so uh, 37 through uh, no 27 15 through 26 taking the place of Barabbas so you know once a year they could release a criminal and Barabbas is this notorious criminal and so he knows they've brought him Jesus here out of envy he can he can see it and so who do you want Jesus who's called King of the Jews or Barabbas release Barabbas okay what do you want me to do with this guy Jesus King of the Jews and they're like 
crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. I don't see anything wrong with him. I don't see anything worthy of death. And they just freak out. They just get so angry and crazy and yelling and stirring up the crowd, which is hard to understand that they were able to stir up that crowd that was so with Jesus just days before. So I don't know how that works. But um, verse 24 and 25, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood, of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and on our children, which was a really bad thing to do because it wasn't like the blood of Jesus the way we honor it. It was his, his murder, his torture, his torment. Put it on us and our children. And I think that has played out over history, some of the very hard things that have come against the Jewish people. I feel like they shouldn't have said this. So he releases Barabbas and he has Jesus scourged, which now his blood begins to flow for us because you know those that Roman beating it would tear up someone's back and some people did not survive the scourging and so he's bleeding and then the soldiers verses 27 through 31 they put a red robe on him I don't know Pontius Pilate just lets them take him they have nothing better to do than to take this man put a red robe on him shove a crown of thorns on his head which certainly made him bleed more and mock him we are wick people are wicked we are evil left to our own devices they, so hail king of the jews they gave him a pole kind of like a bamboo and you know here you are and then they hit him over the head with it and slap him and hit him spit on him again spit on him then they put his own clothes back on him and led him away to be crucified now it's in the hands of the romans they have to do this crucifixion Okay, next chat, next verses 32 through 44, the king on the cross. As Dan said earlier, Pontius Pilate put on the cross, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews, in Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. And they said, don't put that. Put, he said, he's king of the Jews. And he said, what I've written, I've written, because that's prophetic. This cross is a wonderful symbol. The world over, this cross is a wonderful symbol. And Jesus, King of the Jews. So, uh, Psalm 22, verse 18, written a thousand years before the crucifixion. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Also in Psalm 22, they pierced my hands and my feet. Also, 7 and 8, all those who see me ridicule me. The, the Pharisees and the different ones they, they wouldn't miss this for nothing. They don't have to go up on Golgotha and watch a couple robbers get crucified, but they are there to mock Jesus. You made fun of us. You humiliated us. You did everything we couldn't do. Now look at you. You're on the cross. Why don't you come down? Mean, 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 mean. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. So they're up there mocking him. He said, he said, God, forgive them. They know not what they do. They really don't know who they've got, who he is. They don't know what they're doing. 
They think they've got him. Yeah, we got him. But uh, that's about to turn all around. Okay. 45 through 56, Jesus dies on the cross. Jesus hangs on the cross six hours. I, I, I said last night, I think we have all of eternity for God to show us a revelation of what, what that was. Because it's hard to even think of it. That agony for six hours. Also, you know, pierced, pierced through his hands and his feet, more blood. He's tired. He's been up all night. He's shed blood. I think it was a mercy even that he was beaten because he dies within those six hours. If he hadn't, they were going to break his legs, which again is so barbaric. They go and break your legs so now you can't push back up to breathe. Instead, you've got bro ugh, broken bones. Just ugh. So, okay. Psalm 22, verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it is finished with a loud voice. There's an earthquake. The rocks split. The veil of the temple is split. And verse 54, so when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Okay, I'm going to get this done here Joseph of Arimathea takes his body asks for it from Pilate wraps it in the grave clothes puts it in a grave seals it the women watch where he's put and they come back oh the the Jews go to Pilate which is against their religious law they're not supposed to do that during the Passover and beg him like this deceiver said this is verse 63 of chapter 27 sir we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said after three days I will rise so see they really knew what he said he didn't say I'm gonna tear down the temple and put it back up in three days he didn't say that so they put a pilot puts a guard on the temp on the tomb there's a guard there so then chapter 28 we're almost done he is risen there was a <laughs> there's a great earthquake and an angel descends rolls back the stone and sits on it and the angel's face looks like lightning and his clothes are white as snow the guards shook for fear and became like dead men so the two women are there they're gonna put spices I think on you I don't know what they're gonna do so let's read this verses 5 through 7 but the angel answered and said to the women do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So I'm just going to finish this up. As the women leave in fear and great joy, he greets them and he says, rejoice. That is our response. Rejoice. Here he is. They saw him dead. They saw him up there. Here he is. Rejoice. So they worship him. They grab his feet. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Then the soldiers are bribed. They go in and tell them all that they saw. These soldiers saw that angel. They saw the stone rolled away. They were so afraid. They were like dead men. 
And these guys confer together. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? So they pay him a large sum of money. Don't ever tell that story. Tell him that his disciples came at night and stole his body. So they did it. Even though they saw this great revelation of heaven. Okay, done here. Um, this is the Great Commission. Some of the other Gospels say a whole bunch of stuff that goes on during these 40 days before Jesus goes back. He appears to so many people, does some pretty cool things. The Gospel of Matthew just pretty much goes right to the last day. This is the commission. Okay, so they're on, this is verse 18 through 20. They worshiped and some doubted. Why did they doubt? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus says this. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, wow, wow. I have one word of knowledge. We are done, but I have one word of knowledge. Um, God showed me this earlier when I was studying to share this, that there's those here among us that you have a besetting sin, that you recognize it. I know this is a tendency, and you have a hard time getting rid of it. And I see you, any of us, kneeling at the foot of the cross, naming it, my fear, my anxiety, my anger, my bitterness, my unforgiveness, whatever besetting sin, I, I give it to you. And putting your hands on the feet of Jesus on the cross, take it, take it. You're bearing it on the cross for me. This is what you purchased for me, is released from this. So if that's you, if you gotta do it 25 times a day, kneel at the cross, give it to him. He went there to bear it. So let's get free. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, Brenda. Let's stand. This has been an impartation of the portrayal of Jesus Christ crucified and risen. And in that impartation, as I mentioned earlier, God finds it irresistible. He pours his spirit out onto that. And the invitation is to walk in that. Expect it. Know that he, there's a target on you, that he's put on you, having heard this message, a target for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit continually through your whole life. Not just a few highlights, but always and evermore an outpouring of the Spirit. I believe there are some people here that it's time for you to get, either get a refresh on the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues or a time for breakthrough for you for an Acts 2 outpouring of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. I'd like you... Um, to come up and stand over here. I'm going to pray with you and you're going to be blasted and receive your prayer language or refresh on your prayer language. Jesus Christ is into holistic healing. 
He wants to heal you sociologically. He wants to heal your family. He wants to heal family relationships. He wants to heal you sleep your sleep at night. He wants to he wants to heal you physically, emotionally, spiritually. Whatever miracle you need, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There'll be a team right up here on this side to, to release in faith the breakthrough as Greg, as we saw that for Greg on the video. There's an area of healing for you. Come and receive. Come and receive. We're going to do something else right now for those that are to get a chance for those to be saved. By the way, with Brenda's word of knowledge, those of you watching on TV, I invite you right now to touch the screen as a point of your of your computer or your television. Just walk up and touch the screen. I know it sounds like some kind of a televangelist to say that, but I know a lady that did that and she got I know a lady. She's here in this congregation today. She touched the screen and her um she got a gold filling suddenly appear in her mouth. And she she could show it to you today. I'm not going to point her out because I don't want everybody to light up and look at it. <laughs> but it, it, it's true. I've seen it. So I want you to, uh, gather, uh, to hold hands across the aisle just for a few minutes. Just for a few moments, I should say. Don't freak out. And let's close our eyes. And you can receive this at home too. If you find yourself receiving this message for the first time and you are responding to the resurrected Jesus and you're saying you're saying he loved me and he died for me like Paul said that you're receiving his love for yourself today I want you to take a moment to squeeze to squeeze tight just for a moment the hand of the person next to you you're saying I'm receiving a born from above experience today I'm not going to call you up. This isn't bait and switch. This is just you and Jesus. And now if someone squeezed your hand, I want you to squeeze it back. By that, you're saying, I'm going to be praying for you. And if there's anything you need to answer or anything you need I can help you with, be sure and ask. I want to help you. For those of you that squeeze someone's hand, the next step is to get water baptized, not because of some legalism, but because of... It's the outward expression of something that just happened in your heart. It's the outside and inside of the same event. Water baptism is the outward expression of the inward faith that you just expressed. Okay? So will you repeat this after me, everybody, before we let go of the hands? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I praise you and I thank you for your love and grace, for your mercy that you gave me and continually give me through the power of your cross. I receive in childlike faith all the blessings that come from your cross and resurrection. In your name I pray. Amen. We love you. God loves you. Go with a smile on your face, a dance in your step, a song in your heart. Come up, come up and receive prayer for those things we mentioned.
need some of our elder types, spiritual leaders up here on the pastoral care team up here to receive prayer. You want to receive a baptism of the Spirit.